This podcast is hosted by R Double P. If you are easily spooked, creeped, or offended, this might not be the podcast for you. Try again. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back. It's been 20 years. Yes, it feels like 20 years. Welcome to I Think My Fridge is Haunted Christmas Edition. Christmas Edition. <laughs> my name's Lana. And I'm Gemma. Hi. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for today's story. And yes. so this is a bonus episode, just FYI. This is not actually the following season to season six. Yes, no, we haven't started yet. This um, is just something a little extra for you. This just Christmas. a little something for peeps because, you know, Christmas can be crap. Christmas can be crap. It can be hard. Yeah. Difficult. Difficult. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we wanted to give you guys something fun to listen to on Christmas while you're getting ready yeah. or maybe when you lock yourself in the bathroom in anger and yeah. frustration. You need to go for a walk away from the family. Right. You get five time minutes. Out. Yeah. If you need some time to yourself, or we Maybe after you. it's all over, you can... Just sit in your car and listen. Yeah, yeah. Have the, like the holiday cry. Get it all out. Have a listen. We're here for you. Because let's face it, everyone's got like an auntie that's going to say something really racist at the yeah. table, or like you know the uncle that's like, "You didn't hear this? They them pronouns nah, in my day. Back in my day, you didn't hear about those gays. Yeah, autism didn't exist. Just, back- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. gluten free." <laughs> 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 That's the problem with this generation these days. And you're like, just sitting there just like It's been a big year, Uncle Rick. Let it's this been too long. Be finished. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like this year like <laughs> it's just, just pouring more wine. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're like trying to be healthy this year, maybe you're sobering up this year and you were it's extra hard. So we completely right. understand. You We're got this up. hanging in there. You know, yeah. you're doing a good job. Yeah, that's right. And for some people, Christmas is also not like a happy time. Right. It can be stressful it's regardless. It's like forced compulsory fun. And right? it's just not always like that for everyone. Every turn, like every corner you turn, there is Christmas. And it's in your face and it's too much. It's so in your freaking face. Yeah. And it's been in our face since like, I don't know, July. <laughs> Right? Like, can we just stop for a second? <laughs> Don't need mince pies in August, you know? You speak for yourself. Oh, that's true. That is true. I do you like right. a mince pie. I'm not going to come for the food. I have the food all the time. It's the everything else. I actually do love Christmas pudding and custard. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty good. It's it? pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's all. I'm, I have to go home. Um, I don't I'm going home for Christmas for a little bit and I'm just going to bake as much as I can. I yeah. usually make pies, so oh, I'm like pie time. Apple, peach, like I like a fruit pie. Have you ever made a pumpkin pie? No. I've made one once. It yeah. turned out good. It was okay. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. I want to – I should give it a go this I year. I like a pumpkin pie. Yeah. I do. So something different. So that's how I'm going to be um, handling my Christmas and yep. just getting all my frustration out in the dough. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Punching it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's fine, Dad. God. That's, yeah. What kind of pie is this? It's frustration pie. <laughs> it's made with real hate. No. <laughs> no. Pure disdain. Yeah. Can you taste it? It's just a big frowny face. <laughs> <in the top. laughs> 
I think that'll be great. No, it'll be fun. But for some people, it's not always a great time. So we did want to just highlight um, a new service that has come out in Australia as well. Uh, there is a service called 1-800-RESPECT. They are a call line and a website um, for people who are in not so great domestic situations mm-hmm. um, so they can have access to counsellors 24-7, seven days a week. Uh, but most recently they have launched a text line. So it is 1-800-RESPECT has launched a text message support service for 24-7, uh, 24-7, uh, a crisis line for domestic, family and sexual violence is now providing support over text message. 1-800-RESPECT expanded its pre-existing services, so over the phone and online chat support to include a text messaging uh, number. So the number for them is... uh, 0458-737-732. That's the text message number. And for a phone call, it's 1-800-737-732. So when you call this number, you text it, you're paired with a trained counsellors who can provide information uh, to help with domestic, family and sexual violence situations and um, yeah, can connect the caller with uh, or text messenger with other services. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew there is some information online, but what happens when you text, uh, there's a few like prompts you can go through and things like that that all could just get you connected with a counsellor that's correct for your situation. Um, you won't have to do privacy thing like passwords or anything like that. You can also text stop or X at the end of a text message to stop the text messages coming in. And any messages that aren't replied to within six uh, six minutes will be triggered to end the conversation. So you're not going to get bombarded all the time. I think it's a really well thought through situation. So if it's a good service, it really, really is. And it's so important this time of year. Um, and you could always put that number in your phone as like, Debbie from school. Yeah. My favourite pizza store. Right. Yeah, yeah. It can be anything else. It's um, it's a really, really good service. So if anyone needs it, it is there. If you know someone who needs it, there is that information. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. People don't often – sometimes people don't have the confidence to pick up the phone and actually physically talk to someone. It's easier to just text. Yes. Um, It's hard. Right. It's hard. As soon as you get connected with a person, you just go, uh – yeah, if I tell you what's going on, you might think it's stupid or you might think I'm yes. over overreacting or maybe sometimes, sometimes people think, well, my situation's not that bad. There's people that have got worse and yes. they sort of do justify that there is something bad going on in their life. Yes. Uh, so I think it's a good service. Yeah, and, and, and most importantly is these people are trained to help you with this situation, no matter how big or small it is. Mm-hmm. They have you to help you. So don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. If you need it, use it. That's what it's there for. I yep. think um, there was a stat that last year uh, the text line 1-800-RESPECT had answered over two, 270,000 <gasps> calls from wow. people yeah which in That's one way yeah in one way it's really heartbreaking but in another i'm glad that people are reaching out they are reaching out exactly yeah, absolutely so yes we um we hope we can, we can bring you a little bit of joy mm-hmm. during this time as we talk about some weird stuff you got a fact from the freezer oh yeah i do facts from the freezer facts from the freezer <laughs> I always hear the music in my head. <laughs> Do you have um, a long one or a short one? 
Um, just a short one. Because I've got a short one as well. Oh, awesome. Should, cool. should I go first? Go for it. Awesome. So my fact this week is just like a really cool Christmas tradition I found. And I actually would love to start implementing into my life. So in Guatemala, there is uh, something called burning devils. So in order to rid the homes of bad spirits for the new year, Guatemalans do a full house clean in December. The dirt and dust is gathered from every home and each neighborhood creates a large pile. uh, A devil statue is then built and placed on top of the offending dirt and burnt. The bad omens are said to be burnt up with the devil. That's great. Isn't it? I really like that. I really like that. I mean, that. apart from the fact usually we're in total fire ban around <laughs> in December, but... <laughs> we can't really do that we ourselves. We can drop it in the ocean or something. Yeah, we can wash it away. <laughs> Practical magic style. Yeah. Wash it away. <laughs> I think that's great. I um, think that's good. Yeah, in researching my story, I saw some just wild, like, traditions and pe- things people do around Yule, of course, mm-hmm. and Christmas time, and um, I, I loved that. I thought that was great. I think especially, you know, in the city of Frankston, now that... <laughs> <laughs> hard rubbish is now once a year instead of twice a year where I live. What? Which makes me so mad. Yeah. It's too much to pick up. How are they picking a little? Although it is fun to run around and pick people's stuff. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, yeah. But I, I have to tell you, you don't want the sofa that's in my garage covered in cat pee. You yeah, don't. That's true. And we don't either. <laughs> That's why it's on the side of the road. Right. So we're waiting until February. Um, but we, we, I don't know, we might we might get uh, one of those dudes to come out with like a big skip or something yeah. maybe. Yeah, maybe you should burn it with a pile and a devil statue on top of it. Very tempted. <laughs> I don't think it would make a difference in the Frankston. I think they'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. just what happens yeah. there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what do you got for me? <laughs> Okay, so I actually was going to do a different fact from the freezer and then I saw this pop up <gasps> on the socials. Um, in the 1930s, a flute player had a pet lyre bird that mimicked his music. He later released it into the wild. Fragments of the flute player's music were passed down by generations of lyre birds and are still present in their songs today. What? Isn't that cute? That's amazing. So for those of you that don't live in Australia, a lyre bird is kind of like... Uh, it, it's how would you? It's like kind of. Is it the one? Have they got the tails? They've got they a got beautiful the tail. tail. Yeah, big yeah, plumage, big, like, curly tail, and they're they're kind of like a hen, but it's like kind of grey. Very delicate looking birds. Anyway, they're like the super vocalists of the Mariah <laughs> Carey. They're the Mariah Carey's <laughs> of Australia. They can literally <laughs> replicate any sound. It's so cool. Yeah. And if you go to some of our zoos or hills or sanctuary places like that, you'll be like, oh, someone's phone's ringing. No, it's a lyre bird. No, it's a bird. <laughs> Doing marimba, like the, the iPhone. <laughs> I bet that this, there's got to be a lie bird out that, that does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, though, that it's been passed down. How cool is that? So cool. Mm, yeah. I love it. It just reminds me of that story that where um, <laughs> the key witness in the murder case was the parrot. Because <laughs> the parrot was like, put down the gun. Don't shoot me. <laughs> you <Yes>. shot me. <laughs> you, you got me. Ah. <laughs> I love it. I should cover that one at some point. Absolutely. Please. Uh, Okay. So I've got a long story. You've got a short story. Yes. Um, Our powers combined. I really want to get this story out of the way. Yeah. I have to tell you, this 
story has been the bane of my existence for the past two weeks. Yes, quite literally as well. <sighs> oh, yeah, I told you about that weird thing that happened. Yeah, I got a text oh message at 3 a.m. I got a text message. Very early, yeah, very. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. Okay, I'm doing the Amityville horror. Yes. Boo, boo, boo. Technically a Christmas story. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the title underneath. Technically a Christmas yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am ready to just I I, I am gonna smudge my house after yes. I do this story this this story and and I, I'm honestly expecting my laptop to shut down I'm expecting the lights to turn off because that's gonna start flickering again like yeah, yeah. um I when I was writing this story I just have felt physically exhausted drained drained wow i just couldn't wait to finish writing this Mm -hmm. um and i do think there is something to this story i really really do yes so if you're interested in haunted haunting hauntings and uh paranormal experiences you've pretty much guaranteed to have heard of the amityville house yeah i feel like it's definitely a staple in the macabre scene yeah it's kind of a rock star of haunted houses absolutely uh if you haven't heard this story just chill out let us let us tell you what eggnog i don't know can we do that (laughs) (laughs) uh and let's tell you what apparently happened at 112 ocean avenue so this story takes place in New York State, and I'm going to stick primarily to the book's version of events. So cool. the book came out, I think, in 1977, um, and there were a lot of people that came out to question whether the story was real or whether it was a hoax. Uh, and also the book was co-written by the people that experienced this haunted house. Cool. So maybe in a later episode we can go back and look at all the different opinions and the conspiracies surrounding this because yeah. there's a whole – it's a whole thing. It's a whole rabbit hole. Yeah, it's our own, own entity in, in the story. Yes, but sometimes you just want a good haunted house story. Oh, yeah. Nothing right? better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better. For the record, I personally think this house is haunted and I yep. think what, what these people experienced is real. Uh, was the book exaggerated and the film? Yes, probably, most likely. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, for sensationalism. Yeah, because it's yeah, a good story. Fantastical. I, I have, I've watched the movie and everything. I haven't read the book. Um, I'm really excited to know the real story. I want to, even though I kind of want to put this whole story in the bin, I, I do want to <laughs> rewatch the old movie. I do. I do. Yeah. I have this weird love-hate relationship with this story. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel really weird. You'll notice I'm wearing all my crystals. Yes, I did notice that today. A lot of black crystal this going on. black obsidian mm-hmm. and I think it's, it's not labradorite. It's something else, but it's meant to be like really good for bad energies and things. Yeah. Yeah. I should have... Should have worn mine. I didn't even think about it. So I actually spoke to a psychic this week. I was oh. at a hair and makeup job. It was a, it was actually a friend of mine, and she said, um, "Oh, you know, you're into all that paranormal stuff and everything." And I said, "Oh my lord, something weird happened to me this week." And she goes, "Oh well, you know, my husband's sister is, is psychic." And I was like, "Oh wow!" And she actually popped over to the house. Oh cool! And I told her about this, and she just said, "Protect yourself. Put these." these crystals around you and i said yep i've got those at home Ooh. so that's what i've been doing but 
Yeah. Louis hates winter smudge the house. I mean, he hates it. Oh. <laughs> he just... doesn't like the smell. He he's like, oh, where's this shit? Where's this ginger? I was like, this. it's important. We need to do this. Yeah. So I will do it, and hopefully not set off the um, you know, the fire alarms. <laughs> yeah, I've done uh, that a few times. No, whatever's going to bring you comfort, and once it's done, you can just literally wipe your hands of it and be done. Yeah. 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 Great. yeah. But um, the, the one thing I do, I do question the lack of photographic and scientific evidence that could have been taken at the time of the haunting of this house. Mm-hmm. I really do think there was opportunity, but there really, there's, there's the one, that one photo that's famous of the little boy yep. that the paranormal investigators took, which I love that photo. It's so spooky. Um, but uh, as far as when the Lutzes were actually in the house, there's, there's nothing. Yeah, As far right. as I know. Interesting. Maybe there was and it went missing or was it just like not done at all? I don't think they did anything at all. Anyway, let's start from not so much the beginning, but the second beginning. Mm -hmm. In 1975, George and Kathy Lutz were newlyweds, having married only four months earlier. George was 28 years old and Kathy was 30. Kathy also had three children from a previous marriage. They were all under the age of 10, and their names were Chris, Danny, and Missy. However, all of the kids called George Dad. There's actually no mention in the book of where the previous husband was, uh, and there aren't any mention of like the kids having like visits with their dad or anything like that. So I, 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 I'm going to presume that she divorced. and Yeah, um, out of the picture. Yeah, pretty much. So, George and Kathy are looking for a new place to live. And in 1970s American money, they start looking for something around the thirty to $50,000 mark. What a dream. It's <laughs> the hashtag old chestnut. Yeah. You know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't seem to find anything big enough for the family that ticks all the boxes. Because one thing that they want is a house on the water. So George ran a land surveying company. It was started by his grandfather, continued by his father, and then it was finally passed on to him. And he wanted a place uh, where he could set up an office at home. Also, George had a 25-foot cabin cruiser. Uh, Apparently, things were different in the 1970s when you're 28, because I didn't have a cabin cruiser. (laughs) I bloody own my own car. Come on. And a 15-foot speedboat. So he needed a boathouse for those, because he currently had them uh, in a rental space at a marina. As you do. Yeah. It's (laughs) such a pain. (laughs) They, They look at almost 50 houses, and nothing stands out to them. Finally, their real estate agent comes back to them and says, there's there's this house, it's over your price range, but I I think, you know, it would be nice to have a look at it. Mm -hmm. And she said, I want you to see how the other half live. Oh, okay. So the house is $80,000, which is a fair bit over what the couple wanted to spend, but they wanted to have a look on the house on the advice of the real estate agent. And they go to the house and they love it. Built in 1928, it's a big Dutch-style farmhouse right on the water. There's loads of space. The house has three stories. There's three bathrooms. There's bedrooms for everyone. It had like seven bedrooms or something. Um, Plus, there's room for a playroom for the children. There's room for Kathy to do sewing. Um, She and George also practice what's called transcendental meditation. They're really into meditation. So, um, you know, the sewing room doubles as a meditation room for them. 
uh, and there's also they they make one of the rooms into like a dressing room. Like yeah, you know, there's a room for everything. Yeah, <laughs> space for everything. <laughs> but they think there must be a problem with the price of the house. There's no way it can be going for that cheap. Plus, it's a really nice area. It's quite high end. So, what's the deal? Yeah, what's the catch here? Yeah. So the real estate agent uh, says there was a homicide here. <laughs> Um, oh, you know, just, uh, oh, it's just out of the range. It's just out of the way. And there was a murder here. But, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> now, depending on who you're talking to. This could be a great selling this point. This could be great. <laughs> uh, so there was a homicide in the house just over a year ago where six members of one family were shot while they slept. They were shot with a high-power rifle by their 23-year-old son and brother, whose name was Ronald DeFeo. Uh, some of, some uh, people call him Ronnie DeFeo. He actually was known. His nickname was Butch. Uh, he is uh, – the real estate agent says he's in prison now. He's, he's serving six life sentences. Um, and Ronnie apparently said that he heard voices within the house that led him to commit this murder. And he didn't know where the voices came from, so he just said that, that it must have been God that told me to do it. Of course, of course. So um, what had happened was, according to Ronnie DeFeo, he had drugged his family at dinner and waited until they were all asleep before he shot them uh, all, you know, at one time. He went around all the mm-hmm. bedrooms. The next evening, he went to his local pub, the Witch's Brew, and told his friends there that his family had been shot. He was arrested soon after and quickly charged. Uh, the, tra- the strange part of the story was that none of the neighbours heard the gunshots, and Ronnie didn't use a silencer. I mean, he used a rifle. Yeah. But so, noisy, Yeah, right? noisy, noisy. The tragic story haunted the locals of Amityville. So George and Kathy say they're not superstitious and they don't have any reservations about the house or its history. It's their dream house and they believe that they can make new memories there. Yes. So on 18th of December 1975, the family moved into 112 Ocean Avenue. So just as a side note, one part of the house that's really well known is the attic windows. Oh, iconic. (laughs) Iconic. (laughs) I've actually thought about, like, getting, like, one window like tattooed like on each oh, wrist oh that would be so cool <laughs> and you just like go around to people and you're like yeah, I yeah. you find your people real quick <laughs> feel free to take the idea because i'll probably never yeah. <laughs> i love that that's great so the the windows are like if you have a half circle with a curve on top and you chop it down the middle and make two shapes, there's there's two windows. Yeah. And people say that they feel like the house is watching them. Yes, it does kind of look like a ha- or like a face, doesn't it, right. in their house? It's yeah. the, I think that's part of why it's so iconic. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's those windows that everybody always notices. Mm-hmm. Big eyes. The house has a sign with its name that the name of the house is High Hopes. Uh, the boys moved into one of the rooms on the top floor where the windows are and uh, they have a playroom that's just across the hall. George and Kathy take a room on the second floor with Missy in a room across from theirs and they also had a sewing room with an additional room that they used as a dressing room. Um, so in America they call the ground floor the first floor. Mm-hmm. So whereas in Australia... Yeah, ground, ground floor, floor first is, floor. And then first floor. But, but I'm going to use the American terminology. 
So because the house is so big, the Lutzes decided to purchase a few items in storage from when the DeFeo family lived there, although a lot of furniture and appliances came with the house, such as air conditioners, washer, dryer, a freezer, and a fridge. What a bonus. For an an additional $400, they bought the girls' bedroom suite, the parents' double bed, an armchair, and the dining set. I'm going to presume the mattresses were not included. Yeah, I reckon they'd be taken away. You'd hope. They'd no, they'll just like just flip them. <laughs> flip them and I'll be fine. Yeah, flip them. <laughs> She'll be right. Oh man. Yeah, they need to be uh, you know, burned in Guatemala. <laughs> <laughs> Take them to the devil. Yes. Their friends helped them to move boxes and furniture up to the house and into the garage on the day that they moved in. In the afternoon, they had Father Frank Mancuso come to the house and bless it. Now, in the book, his name is Father Mancuso. The person that this is apparently in real life, he's, he's got a different name. Okay. Uh, so, Father Mancuso is a local cleric and a physio, physiotherapist. He's a psychotherapist. <laughs> <laughs> Does physio on the side. <laughs> I'll take care of your mind and your body. (laughs) So basically, he's Father Karras from The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The iconic. He's a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything. George knew Father Mancuso from a couple of years back at their old home of Deer Park when it worked with them before their marriage. I, I'm going to take that as meaning that they, they did, like, pre-marriage counselling, yeah. you know, that um, some couples will do if they're sort of associated with the church. Yeah. So before Father Mancuso arrived at the house, he felt uneasy. When he mentioned to some friends at lunch where he was going, one of them mentioned that that's the DeFeo house. Don't you remember? Last year the son killed his family. And his friends advised him not to go to the house. But he went. And he, as soon as he began to bless the house with holy water, he heard a man's voice out of nowhere say, get out. Ooh, yes. He continued to bless the home. Uh, and as he was leaving, he asked the Lutzes if they knew what had happened at the house. And they told him they knew what had happened and it was a terrible tragedy. That night, he went to his mother's house for dinner and she asked him if he was okay and said that he had um, very dark circles under his eyes. So he looked in the mirror and he just, he thought it was actually dirt under his eyes. Like he, he, the dark circles under his eyes were, were so dark. So he tried to sort of, you know, take them off with water, but it actually was just a weird thing that happened. On the way home... Driving on the highway, the hood of his car suddenly flew up against the windshield and the right door flew open, forcing him to pull over. Whoa, that's the worst nightmare when driving. Like, and there's, there's this a few. Is winter in New York. Oh, no, 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 no. So, we're talking icy conditions. Icy, yeah, can't see anything anyway, but yeah. then, especially. Yeah. So, uh, he pulled over and the car wouldn't start again. He walked to a payphone, because 70s, and called another priest who helped him get the car towed to a garage and drove him back to the rectory where he lived. Back in the Amityville house, George was putting on some music to add a cheerful atmosphere to the first night in the new home. 
he heard Harry, his Malamute Labrador cross, howling in the backyard. And when he went outside, he saw that the dog had tried to jump the fence and was hanging by his neck (gasps) from his long chain and it was strangling him. Oh, no. George untangled him and shortened the chain so he couldn't do it again. Uh, Later that night, he tore up some of the cardboard boxes they used to move and threw them in the fire because... It was a really it was a really cold night, mm. so he's got a fire going to, big, to warm up house. the house. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They do have central heating, but he, I think, you know, down, downstairs is quite a large area, so they keep a, a fire going. Love it. Father Mancuso, back at his apartment, answered the phone to find the priest who had helped him tow his car earlier that night. The priest told him that as he was driving home, the windscreen wipers of his car turned on and started flying madly back and forth. Okay, so we don't like cars. So we've got a ripple effect of weirdness. It's just passing on. Yeah. The following night, George woke up to the sound of a loud knock on his front door. He looked at the clock and saw it was 3.15 a.m. There was another knock, but it sounded like it was coming from upstairs, maybe in the sewing room. He went to the sewing room and heard a cracking noise and a squeak above him. So he's thinking maybe it's one of the toys in the boys' room above. Another knock came from outside towards the boathouse. He opened the window and thought he saw a shadow moving outside. He called for Harry to go after it and went downstairs to investigate. Kathy woke up and asked what was happening and he told her it was probably a cat and that he was going to check it out. She went back to sleep and in the morning could not remember this conversation at all. Ooh. George went outside and can still see the shadow moving towards the boathouse and saw that the door he thought he'd locked was swinging open. The next morning, Kathy was at the kitchen table and when George came down, she noticed he hadn't showered or shaved. He was very short-tempered with the children, asking Kathy to get them to be quiet, even slamming his hand down on the table when they wouldn't stop. He also began putting an excessive amount of logs on the fire. He couldn't get warm and became obsessed with keeping the fire uh, in the living room as big as possible. He also lost interest in starting his home office or doing much work at all. Wow, so immediate. 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 Damn. He also became transfixed by the boathouse. He would repeatedly go out to check that it was locked, and sometimes he would just go out there and stare at it. Years later, he admitted he didn't even know why he did it. He again woke at 3.15 a.m. and would wonder if the boathouse was locked up. So they say that 3.15 was the time that the murders took place. I see. When the DeFeos lived there. Right. So this is what happened the other night when Mm. I messaged you guys. Yes. So I, I was about halfway through the book. Um, and I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night and I went to the bathroom and I came back and I laid down and I thought, wouldn't it be random if it was 3.15 a.m.? And I don't have a clock in my room, so I pick up my phone next to me and I turn on my phone and it's 3.15 a.m. on the dots. <laughs> it's just it's a lot. That's and I just lot. stared at my phone and I was like, I need to stop reading this book. I need to yep. stop. Maybe I'll just not do this story. Yeah, right, so you were already like, nope, nope, like, I'm already feeling it, I don't want to do this, like. But it was a really good book. 
<laughs> so I finished it. Yes, of course you did. At least you were already like, I see what this is. I know what's happening. I see the signs. You yeah. won't get me. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so crazy. I, I love it. I believe it. Louis didn't care. He was like, oh, Louis. He was like, so? But then when I told the psychic what happened, she goes, okay, if three things happen, you've got a problem. Oh. Oh, so like literally the rule of threes. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So that was the first one? That was the first one. Okay. Um... The only other thing that I can think of was that every time I sat down to write this story, I felt exhausted and I right. couldn't wait to shut my laptop. Cool. And it was interesting because when I finished this and I hit save and I went on to the other story that I was writing, I felt fine. So. Hmm. Hmm. Draining your life force. Draining my life force. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say this story is a hoax, but I have to question it. Yeah. I do have to question it. It's interesting with the ripple effect. Like, obviously, people closer to it are having more effects, but people, like, going, like, ah, oh, it's still connected, even telling this story. Yeah, 50 That's, years later. Yeah, there's still something. In another country. Mm, exactly. It's weird. I would love to know if anyone else has um, stories. Relating. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, after a few days, both Kathy and George became so frustrated with the children's wild behaviour that they actually, this is quite sad, they used a leather strap and a wooden spoon to to hit them, mm. uh, which they would later regret. In oh, the 70s. Yeah. Kathy knew she had to prepare for Christmas, but for some reason she didn't want to leave the house. One morning in the kitchen she was making a Christmas list of presents to buy when she felt an invisible person hug her from behind and put their hand on her hand. Uh, she wasn't scared, but she was surprised, and she felt like it was like a loving force. Mm. At that moment, the boys yelled to her to come upstairs, where she found that the toilet in the bathroom was black with dirt. And at first, she blamed the children. She, she said, did you put paint in the toilet? Right. And they're like, no, no, we didn't do it. Uh, Danny called from the bathroom, and the same was happening in her other bathroom, like oh. like the, the bedroom bathroom. Yeah, right. So uh, when Kathy came through to the bedroom, she smelled like a cheap floral perfume smell that she didn't recognize. But in the bathroom, the smell turned into like a horrible, horrible smell. Mm. She flushed the toilet and it just wasn't nothing. Was It was just dirty. Just continuing, just, like the water coming in. Yeah, yeah like right. clear water was coming in, but nothing was changing. Change, you know. And she had scrubbed the toilets just the previous day, and she couldn't understand how they got so dirty so quickly. So George came up and began to open all the windows because of the smell. And when Kathy went into the sewing room to do the same, she found hundreds of flies buzzing around the window. Oh. And in the middle of winter... I mean, that's weird. That is super weird. Mm. And, you know, in a place where it snows, you would think that they would go dormant for the winter. Yeah, definitely. The front doorbell rang and a strange man holding a six-pack of beer told them everybody wants to come over to welcome you to the neighbourhood. This is so random. (laughs) Was that a normal thing in the 70s? I think it probably was. Probably. He told them that he had his boat at one of the neighbor's boathouses a couple of doors down. But then he sort of, he just sort of 
left without drinking anything and they never saw him again and never found out his name. Oh. <laughs> like, he just kind of went, well, I guess I'll take these with me, even though they were like, yeah, you can invite people over if you want. Was like, but right. then, like, nothing happened. It was weird. <laughs> the next night, George once again awoke at 3.15am and found that the front door had been half ripped off and was hanging by one hinge. What? But the doorknob was damaged from the inside as if someone was trying to get out. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's too much. I'd be like, right, everyone get your bags, we're going. Goodbye. Time to go. Goodbye. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, no. Kathy came downstairs to see what the problem was and then rushed upstairs to check on the children. They were all sleeping deeply and all on their stomachs, which Kathy found oh. odd because they never did that. That's so creepy. <laughs> Later they learned that all of the DeFeo victims were found dead and lying on their stomachs. Oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> Random. <laughs> The house thermometer said that the, uh, it, the the temperature was a comfortable 80 degrees, which in American, Fahrenheit. I guess that would be probably, what, 20, 1820 here? Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, normal. Yeah, yeah, normal kind of like nice mild. Um, but uh, George just couldn't get warm. He just couldn't get warm mm-hmm. at all. He was obsessed with this fireplace. Yeah, he's got a demon in him. He still didn't do any work, only checking the oil burner, bringing in wood for the fire and checking the boathouse. The day before Christmas Eve, Kathy found the boys violently fighting each other up in the playroom, which was not like them. Meanwhile, Missy was sitting on the rocking chair looking out the window, humming an unfamiliar tune. So she's that kid. Yeah, she's that kid. (laughs) Without looking back at Kathy, Missy asked, Mummy, can angels talk? As she went downstairs, she noticed a horrible sour smell coming from a storage closet. And Kathy found that her silver crucifix, which was a wedding present on the wall inside, it was hanging upside down. Classic. So many old chestnuts. Yes, this is the original. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) the first chestnut. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Father Mancuso had come down with an awful flu with a high temperature. He was ordered to stay in bed for a few days. The Amityville house was still troubling him. He wanted to call the Lutz family and tell them to stay out of the sewing room. But he, he, he didn't say anything. He just kind of like kept a lid on that mm-hmm. finally on christmas eve father mancuso called george who had also wanted to call father mancuso although he didn't know why george told him about the flies in the sewing room just as a you'll never guess what i saw it was so weird yeah and father mancuso told him he, he didn't want the family to go into that room try to avoid the sewing room and at that point the phone started to crackle and hung up both men rang the other back mm-hmm. but they both of the phones rang out right so couldn't be connected there's this whole thing where every time they try to phone each other they can't hear each other or it hangs up or it just rings and rings and rings right it's very weird don't talk to the priest please yeah Kathy's mother, Mrs. Connor, and brother Jimmy came over, bringing a Christmas tree with them for the Lutz family. They were shocked at George, who had not shaved or showered in a week. 
On the day after Christmas, Jimmy was due to be married in Queens and he had asked George to be his best man. So he needs to have a shower. Yeah, he needs to clean up a little bit. (laughs) Jimmy told George he kept feeling a draft in the house, but George couldn't find where it was coming from. They noticed the flies had returned, and after hearing a loud crack, they found that the boathouse door had come off its hinges. It was the first that Mrs. Connor and Jimmy had seen of the hauntings at 112 Ocean Avenue. And she's kind of gone in there and going, what is going on here? Yeah, like, everyone the- seems stressed out. Yeah. Weird stuff is happening. So the families are starting to sort of mm. figure out something's so going it's, on. So it's not subtle. Everyone's noticing. Something's going on. It's not like, Like, I don't believe you. It's like, oh, no, I see that too. mm, Yeah, yeah. Mm. Meanwhile, Father Mancuso had called a police officer he knew and asked them to do kind of a bit of a drive-by welfare check on the house, which they did. That night, George woke up again at 3.15 to find Kathy laying on her stomach having a nightmare. She woke up. And uh, started screaming, she was shot in the head, she was shot in the head, I heard the explosions in my head. Uh, What was odd about this was that the details of the DeFeo murder, um, to this extent, had not come out. But Louise DeFeo, the Mm mum, she was shot in the head while sleeping on her stomach, in that room, Uh. technically in that bed. Oh, yeah, of course, yes. Mm -hmm. Checking the boathouse again that night, George looked up at the house to see Missy staring down at him. Behind her was the face of a pig with glowing red eyes. So he ran into the house and up the stairs to the bedroom. Missy was asleep in bed on her stomach. Looking over to the window, he saw Missy's rocking chair and it was rocking back and forth. So So many. This brings us to Christmas morning. So, on Christmas Day, the children played with the few toys that Kathy and George had managed to buy for them. They were running out of wood for the fire, and it was freezing, so George went out to get some. That night, Kathy went upstairs and overheard Missy saying, Isn't the snow beautiful, Jodie? Kathy asked if Jodie was an angel. Missy told her that Jodie was a pig, and that no one could see him except her. Oh. Kathy didn't... It's just like, you know, there's always like a it's Captain Howdy and the Exorcist and there's Jody and Amityville. Like, yeah. Is uh, some sort of tick boxes that you have yeah, to tick for yeah, the haunted house. There's genre. definitely a, a checklist being ticked immediately. <laughs> there's a formula. <laughs> there is. It's the ghost check checklist guide. Yeah. So, uh, Kathy didn't know what George had seen in uh, Miss, Mrs. Window the previous night. He hadn't told her about the pig that he saw. Mm-hmm. She continued to treat Jody as an imaginary friend of Missy's. She noticed the boys were getting ready for bed in their room and she asked why they weren't in the playroom because uh, it was quite early. And they said, it's, it's too cold in there. We don't want to play in there. It's freezing. So, she went and felt the radiator in there and it was hot but the room itself was freezing cold. So this was an ongoing occurrence within the home for the next few weeks. When George went out to the boathouse at 3.15 that morning, he stopped to wonder why he was even doing this every night. He noticed that Harry, the dog, was fast asleep, which he was usually keeping watch if George came out of the house. 
Over the next few weeks, Harry would sleep so deeply that George wondered if he had been drugged, and he actually took him to the vet at one point. They said he's fine. Mm. All of the members of the household, except for Missy, were increasingly becoming irritable and angry. On the day after Christmas, Jimmy was due to be married, and before the wedding, Kathy once again felt the strange presence behind her as she wrote a shopping list. She also smelled that strange, cheap perfume smell too. The smell became so strong that Kathy felt sick and asked the presence to leave her alone. Finally, it disappeared and Kathy began to cry. Uh, so the pressure of the house is really starting to get to Kathy. Absolutely. She knows something's up. Yes. Missy came into the kitchen and told her, Jody says not to cry. Everything will be all right soon. Oh, my gosh, she's the chosen one. She's Missy. the chosen one. She is. And, you know, Missy's like, she's chilling with Jody. <laughs> Straight chilling. The boys are fighting again. I mean, violently fighting. Um, to make matters worse, George had come down with a bad stomach upset that morning. However, he showered and cleaned himself up for the wedding. Jimmy arrived to pick up George as they were to drive to the wedding together. Jimmy showed them an envelope containing $1,500 that he had just taken out from the bank. It was the balance that he had to pay for the wedding reception. It was basically the last of his savings. Yep. Uh, he put it in his coat pocket and he put the coat on the kitchen chair. When they went to leave, he became frantic when he found that the money was gone. Oh, God, he would be. Yeah. So they kind of ended up having to pull all their money and they got the the guy at the reception centre to accept a couple of checks. <sighs> yeah. Which he wasn't happy about, but they did. Um, and they figured that they would just find the money at a later date. And though the family searched high and low over the following days, they never found the money. What? It's really weird. Why does a ghost need money? Stop stealing things. <laughs> well, he wants your sadness. That's what the ghost wants. Yeah. Oh, true. True, true, true. (laughs) (laughs) And what's the best way to make a human sad? Yeah, yeah. Take their money. Take their money. (laughs) Like, I've seen this. I know what I can do with this. At the church, George claimed that he had begun to feel violently ill on attending the church, like on entering the church. However, he he, he did have a stomach upset. So it's kind of like, was the stomach upset because he was going to a church or was he already sick and he was already coincidentally sick and that's why he fell sick in the church so uh, little column a little column b yeah if he started smoking then like smoking in the church i'd be like well that's clear (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i wish that was part of it that'd be great (laughs) a few days later Kathy's aunt, Teresa, came to visit. Now, Teresa had formerly been a nun, but she had left the church to marry. Instead of staying over as planned, she left the house after seeing the sewing room. Refusing to go in there, she decided to leave the house after only half an hour. She told Kathy there was something bad in the house. In a similar situation, when the boys brought a local boy home to play, he wouldn't go up the stairs and chose only to play in the foyer, never taking off his winter coat. After telling them he wanted to go home, they never saw him again at the house. That's sad, isn't it? Now, I don't know if that is because maybe the house just has a local reputation as being the murder house, so maybe kids just don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah. 
keeping his coat on. He might be cold. Like if everyone's feeling it, he was just, just like some some people that go in there. They just kind of get warm. Yeah, yeah, not welcome. In the following days, George and Kathy decide to make use of some of the space in the basement. Uh, they want to have it, like they want to make like a like a second pantry kind of area. I love that like all this shit's going on and they're like, you know what we need to do? We need a project. <laughs> yeah. I think we just need a project and it'll be fine. All that pre-marriage counseling's coming in. They're like, no, 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 no. No, listen, it'll be fine. We'll make a little space. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, the glass is still kind of half full at this point. Yeah. Uh, props to them. Yeah. <laughs> props to them. Now, when they're down in the basement, they, so there's a, there's a wall of shelves and Kathy notices that when she sort of touches the shelf, it kind of like goes in a little bit. <gasps> Stop. They take it down and they find a secret room that's been covered up by ply- plywood. Oh my God. And the room is painted red. Inside the room is an old well. So they had an acquaintance called Eric in the book. His name's Eric, whose girlfriend was a medium and had her come over. Even though she didn't go into the basement, she told George the entities in the house had something to do with an old well. Wow. Okay. She felt that the room had something to do with like ritual sacrifice. Yeah. So was it painted red or was it red after all the blood? The blood. (laughs) The blood. They never actually find out what the room was for. What? Yeah. And he actually, George, went to the the local library. He looked into the history of the house. He tried to find if, you know, they'd got permission to to change the house in any way. He couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, yeah, right. Not not like an old house that's been, you know, that was the way they got their water or something. I don't know, like that. They couldn't find anything Yeah, that's where they kept the honey or, you know, some old weird customs. (laughs) Old things. Yeah. The honey closet. The the honey closet. I want a honey closet now. (laughs) I've got a closet for my washing machine. That's where we're at in 2023. Yeah, I guess it's not that strange. Uh, I guess the people that had the honey closet would be like, you have a machine that washes for you? (laughs) My God. This little man sits in a box. What are you talking about? (laughs) So... While all this is happening, Father Mancuso is catching another case of the flu. Damn. He just stays sick, like, for weeks and weeks and oh. weeks. Uh, he, he also develops a severe rash on his hand that blisters. He can't help but wonder if there's something to do with the house that's making him ill. And, of course, hands, stigmata, yes. you know, is that whole thing. People also started to feel sick when they visited his apartment at the rectory, one even throwing up as soon as he left. Every time he tries to call George, the static makes it impossible for them to talk. In addition, a horrible smell like sewage has appeared in Father Mancuso's apartment. It lingers for weeks. It drives him nuts. Nothing he does appears to be able to make it go away. Damn. And in addition to that, he starts to sort of, you know, lose his patience with people around him really easily as well, which is not in his nature. Mm. You know, he's a counsellor. He, he loves his job. Yes. Kathy starts seeing strange things in the living room. They had a ceramic ornament next to the fireplace, and it's, it's a lion. Like, it's like a crouching lion type thing. Uh, and she swore that it would move around the room. In one case, George yelled at someone that 
had left it in the middle of the room and that he'd almost fallen over it. So we're getting that thing where sort of, you know, things are not where they left them. Yeah. You know, the money's disappearing, those types of things. Yes. The strange occurrences kept on coming. And as they did, Kathy and George became more and more uneasy in the house. In the middle of the night, all of the windows would fly open, letting the freezing wind into the rooms and blowing the bedclothes off the bed. Sometimes the windows would be almost impossible to close without a great deal of force. However, Missy's room would always remain warm, sometimes with her rocking chair rocking back and forth. You know, just cool kid things. (laughs) However, there are some obvious discrepancies and questions surrounding the whole story, and many question its validity to this day. One night, for example, on New Year's Eve, Kathy claimed to see a face materialised in the soot against the back of the fireplace with a half a head missing as if it had been shot. Mm. And George saw it too. Like, as she's in the living room, the fireplace is there and it sort of appears like it, it and it gets the image becomes stronger and stronger yeah. and he sees it too. Okay. So, where's the photo? Where's the photo? As if you're not like documenting this happening. Yeah, like it, you know, so much weird stuff is happening. Like, even for insurance, you'd be taking photos of things. As, as if you wouldn't be thinking at this point, like, should we have not bought this house? They kind of are. Yeah, yes. Like, surely we need to give some evidence of what's going on. Like, it's the 70s, it's yeah. not like cameras are unusual or anything like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, So in mid-January, the Lutz family say they saw green or black slime coming from the ceilings and running down the walls. Again, there's no photos of this. Come on. They also say that George saw the red glowing eyes of a pig looking in at them from outside the house one night and later found hoof prints in the snow resembling those of a pig going from the house to the boat shed. But again, there are no photos of this. Mm. Um... So George says in an interview that phenomena at the house took place so fast or happened so fast that there was no time to take pictures. But in the book, he says that the hoof prints were there well into the following morning. So what's the reason? I think if you've got a 25-foot cabin cruiser, you've got a camera. Yeah. <laughs> Surely there's at least one to, to go To take around. photos at least of your cabin cruiser. Well, you can at least go go to the store and get one. Like, should, like this is so important at this point. It's taking over your yeah, life. Yeah, it's time to take a photo. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to document evidence. Um. So later, Missy draws a picture of Jodie running in the snow and she tells George it was the night... Jody ran from the house. Uh, another strange occurrence that George experienced was that, uh, and, he, and he, this happened a few times to him, he would hear a marching band playing in the middle of the night in the living room that would wake him up, and he said that it sounded like 50 musicians marching around his house. Holy shit, like what? But no one else could hear it. Okay. He would feel the entire band coming up the stairs, but when he went to investigate, there was nothing there. And sometimes he could hear it from outside the house. He'd be outside and he could hear it inside the house. Finally, George would awaken to find Kathy levitating above the bed, 
while she was fast asleep. He pulled her down to the bed and didn't know and she didn't know anything about the incident the following day. In the book he says he pulled her down by the hair. Oh and I'm like, you couldn't grab her arm. Couldn't grab an ankle. Or you know, her nightgown, her PJs, Metallica T shirt. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you couldn't stand up and like gently, gently. bring your wife back yeah. down to the but no. no grab her by the hair come on <laughs> um by early january george had asked man uh father mancuso to once again bless the house <laughs> just checking that our equipment's still going I because oh good <sighs> this bloody story been keeping an eye on it uh, he refused to go into the house, Father Mancuso, but he instead blessed them remotely from the church. Yeah, he's, he's not going back. He's, he's zooming the blessing. <laughs> he goes, Zoom blessing. Yeah, he goes to the chancellor and he says that he believes the house is possessed by something demonic. They advise the family to leave the house. Mm. On January 11, a storm battered the house so badly that many windows had to be boarded, boarded up and then replaced. George noticed that although many trees had been damaged along the street, the windows of their neighbours were not broken. One night, George watches Kathy. This is weird. <laughs> just watches he, no, just watches her. In the night, in their room, he, he watched her turn into an old woman. Oh. Um, and she goes to the mirror and she sees it herself in the mirror and she like freaks out. Oh, okay. And she ends up just kind of, he's like, look, just sit. They had like an armchair in the room. She's like, sit in the armchair for the night, you know, and it slowly <laughs> begins to go away. And in the morning she looks and there, there was like ridges going down her face. And then slowly over the evening, it, it, they, they go away. But again, photos come on <laughs> come on um see that's not just and in the book it said it took all night for it to go away exactly so uh, <laughs> on the last couple of nights in the house george has sort of a dream so they had this thing where basically one of them would sit on the chair and sort of keep wash watch at night yes and he sort of has this sort of dream while he's in the chair of a figure in the bedroom of that's in a white cloak and it turns to him and it's got his face but half of its head is missing like it's been shot like mm. the image that they saw in the fireplace mm-hmm. Kathy sees him sleeping in the chair and yelling things like I'm coming apart and it's in Chris's room and the book also kind of alludes to the fact a little bit that George looks like Ronnie Right. Okay. But I mean, they both had kind of a seventies look about them. I mean, you know, like kind of like short back and sides with a beard. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. But the book does sort of allude. It, it does reference that a fair bit. Mm. Like there's this one part where he goes into the witch's brew, brew pub, which is the local pub that Ronnie used to go into. Yes. And the the guy that works at the pub was kind of shocked. Like I think he he thought Ronnie had come back. <gasps> wow. And then when he talked to George, George was like, "Yeah, I just bought a house down the street. Oh, which one? One Twelve Ocean that Avenue." And the guy was like, "You've got to be kidding me." Yeah. Do you, like? Do you reckon? <laughs> With, with the, like, the expanse and the effect that this house is having on people, do you reckon that the house is lining them up? 
like they they applied for like 50 other houses. Maybe. Do you reckon that's a possibility? Yeah. They were like, yep. no, 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 you're like coming here. Like, it's not this one, not this one. You're coming at this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it's just it, the whole story. I'm like, it, it's just like it was like the house was priming them. They're like, you are coming here, and I need. I need this family, like, especially hearing that. Mm. 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 So, Missy tells her parents that Jodie wants to talk to them, and <laughs> Kathy sees the red glowing eyes of a pig outside the window in Missy's bedroom, looking in at them. Okay. She throws Missy's chair at the window, and it shatters, sh- shatters the, the glass, and they can hear a pig squealing outside. Missy goes to the window, looks outside and waves, <laughs> which I thought was really cute. I love Missy. She's my <laughs> hero in the <this> story. <laughs> Still doing that tea party later? Cool. Yeah, we'll chat. <laughs> Missy tells her mother that Jody says there was a boy that used to live in Missy's room and that he died. She's also convinced that Jody is an angel. So I'm guessing that the, the little boy in the room is meant to be like the little boy in, in the photo that the psychics took in the house. Yes. On the last night in the house, 28 days after they moved in, another storm hits and the power goes out. Even though the heating is off, the house becomes unbearably hot. Oh, okay. So we're going the opposite direction. Big switch. That's when George sees the slime coming down the walls and it was a jelly-like substance that he had to clean up with a towel. Okay. The entire family are so hot, but every time they open a window, the freezing air from outside would come in. So it's kind of like they can't get comfortable. Yeah, no winning. When the temperature in the house... Sorry. Then the temperature in the house starts to come down until it's absolutely freezing cold. Oh, God. So later, while the family was sleeping, George woke to find the drawers and the wardrobe doors starting to open and close. Mm. And then the marching band starts again. (laughs) His entire family and the dog were sleeping so deeply that they could not be awoken. And he felt what he thought was an animal with hooves walking over him as he lay in the bed. The boys tell him something's in their room, a person without a face. And he, George runs towards the stairs. And at the top of the stairs, he sees the figure from his dream in the long white cloak. It lifts its hand and points at him. He runs to collect every member of his family. He's had a freaking enough. They all run down the stairs. They find the front door is once again hanging from one hinge. They run outside to the van and flee from the house. They never return. George looks at the house in the rearview mirror and thinks, thank God I'll never see you again, you son of a bitch. Yeah. They go to Kathy's mother's house in Deer Park and claim that the entity has followed them there as well because on the first night that they're there, both Kathy and George wake up levitating and then they see the same slime crawling up the stairs towards their room. No. So they seem to think that it followed them but nothing is known later. Like, it doesn't seem to have sort of followed them any further than that. George had been talking to a paranormal investigator called George Kokoris, 
A seance takes place at the house after the Lutzes leave that includes researchers, clairvoyants, mediums, and famed paranormal investigators, you know what's coming, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. Also in attendance are Mary Pascarella and a Mrs. Albert Riley. Mary became sick and had to leave the room. Mrs. Riley told them some, there was something living upstairs or something upstairs. Lorraine told them that what was in the house was not human and came from the bowels of the earth. And one of the other guys as well said that his hands were going numb. So mm. quite a few of them had sort of feelings. Lorraine felt a demonic presence there and felt that although it would travel, it could travel at will, the house was a resting place for the entity, which would need an exorcism to rid the house Hell of its yeah. presence. The story of the haunted house uh, makes worldwide news. And with the book following the story and then the movie and then... 12,000 other movies after it. (laughs) Adaptations. The house becomes a pilgrimage destination for tourists, paranormal enthusiasts, and the devout. Mm. Like, people were literally, like, picking off bits of wood off the the house. Like, you know, crap, things like that. I don't care how hardcore you are into, like, supernatural. Don't fuck with it. No. And also, don't, like, vandalise someone's house. Yeah, just... Literally like, steal someone's pieces of Stealing your pot plant. <laughs> so come with me. The Lutzes moved to California, and although they made money from the subsequent book that came out, they apparently did not receive any royalties from the films. <gasps> what? They never returned to the house. William Weber, the defense attorney for Ronald DeFeo, mm-hmm. is said to have stated that the book was a hoax. In the September 17, 1979 issue of People magazine, Weber wrote, I know this book is a hoax. We created this horror story over many bottles of wine. (laughs) So in conclusion, it's believed that by many that the Amityville horror is a hoax as no one that's lived in the house since has experienced any paranormal phenomena. But to some, including myself, there is something about that house that does make one wonder. Mm. Oh my god, that was amazing! Like, <laughs> I such a good story. I'm shutting this down. I was gonna say I, I don't need this in my done? life anymore. No. Delete that file. Get rid of it. You're done. <laughs> Cleansing breath. Cleansing breath. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know what I believe, but I believe you. And what you've experienced. And it sounds like something's up. Something's, something's up. up with that place. And I feel like it just in the haunted place in general, if something horrible happens there, it doesn't have to be supernatural. You, you can feel it. It's in the walls. Yes. It just, that's right. It's just what happened. Yeah. What happened was pretty horrific. Yep. Mm, how are you feeling? Good. good. No, I feel good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> Done. She's away. I'll get home, have a little cocktail. Yes. And um, I'll uh, binge watch something terrible. Yeah, something terrible, something funny. I'm actually watching um, Inside Man at the moment. Okay. Which is written by, oh, I can't remember his name. He wrote, I think he was one of the writers on Doctor Who. Oh, cool. Oh, this this show is really weird, like, but in a good way. So it's got David Tennant in it. Oh, great. And he plays this priest. Uh, I don't want to tell you too much, but 
basically he gets himself into a mega pickle. It's <laughs> the best thing I've ever heard. Like a crime. Right. Like he commits a crime. And basically, at the start of this episode, he's just the local vicar, and he's the, the everyone loves him. And then he just gets stuck in this spider web of there's no way out. There's yeah. no way out. So yeah, we've watched one episode, and I'd really like to binge the rest. Awesome, as well. Oh, I yeah. love that. Well, you very much deserve that. That story was brilliant. Thank you for telling me. Thanks. It's so nice to know. <laughs> what did like. Ooh, ooh. The is like mm. okay, so going on to something a lot sillier. Yes, <laughs> finally. Yes. So I, when we were going to do a Christmas episode, the first thing I thought of was Krampus. Uh, of course, iconic um, and super popular at the moment. I feel like I feel like every year it's like yay Krampus time. Yeah, that guy. Like um, I feel like this year in particular, I've seen even more. Uh, videos and tourism videos and stuff of the parades that happen in uh, in Austria and Germany yes. in particular. So I was like, where'd this guy come from? What's the deal with Krampus? So yep. let me tell you about Krampus, the Christmas devil. <laughs> so my sources today are BuzzFeed Network, History.com, Wikipedia, BuyersChoice.com, Study.com, Monstrum, uh, AustrianAdaptation.com, History Defined, MaskMuseum.org, History Channel, and TripAdvisor. So much stuff. So much stuff. So I would like to preface... <laughs> I love my history stories. I love them. This one was actually really hard to get right because the history is so old. Okay. It goes right back and there's a lot of conjecture. Okay. A lot of conjecture. So I'm just doing like really nice, really simple to my understanding. Sometimes like with mythical sort of local legends and things like that, you know, they do start where people, you know, they live in villages and they can't read or write and they don't have a written history. So it's very sort of verbally um, passed down. down. Yeah, yeah. That is absolutely kind of where it got to for me. Um, So, yeah, you could probably put this under cryptid, I would say. Okay. Which is really cool. So... Luke has Darth Vader. Batman has the Joker. Light has dark and good has evil. Oh, origin story. Here we go. Right. Here we go. This is my this is my dream. <laughs> and Saint Nicholas has Krampus. Right. His malevolent counterpart from pagan legend. Not just a uh, 2015 mildly successful horror movie. Uh, it's a viral uh, and the viral festival honoring Krampus has become a popular bucket list item for all the macabre enthusiasts of the world. And the history of Krampus may surprise you. Okay. Surprised me. So often mistaken as the Christian depiction of the devil, Krampus is most commonly depicted as a towering anthropomorphic nightmare fuel figure of half man, half goat, standing at eight to nine uh, feet tall. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Just even that, I'm like, stop. That's enough. <laughs> he has a large, uh, large pointed horns, a styling face with a mouthful of fangs, and a long, slimy, forked tongue. That's a fight I would want to see. Krampus versus Beast of Bray Road. Ooh, Ooh. I would see that. It was like, can we do cryptid like battles? Celebrity death match. Yes. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> Put that on next year's list. I want to do that. 
Um, often covered in a thick black or brown fur, cloven hooves, very on point. We were just talking about that. Mm. Covered in chains and armed with a bundle of bro- uh, birch branches and a basket on his back. It's easy to see why the uh, children of Northern Europe are so well behaved each year. So it's when you're metal, but you still live with your mom and she wants you to go out to get some groceries. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a face, mom. It's very that energy. Go get the bread. (laughs) Get the bread and milk. God damn it. Um, While his exact origins are unknown, particularly, the history of this uh, season legend have early roots in uh, Central and Eastern Alpine folklore in Slavic and Austrian celebrations. Yule celebrations in the Alpine region of Austria, Slovenia, Croatia, Hungary... Italy, and most specifically uh, the region we now know as Germany, mm-hmm. all feature their own version of this terrifying boogeyman, with some folklorists and uh, anthropologists finding pre-Christian origins dating back as far as the 6th and 7th century AD. Wow. Yeah, but there is a lot of conjecture over those claims. Okay. So the name Krampus has a few different origins, including the word Krampen, which is German for claw, and the Bavarian word, and Bavarian is also basically like, um, I don't want to say basically, but in the German region, uh, their word Krampen, which also means dead, rotten, lifeless, or dried out. So just really nice descriptive words. Okay. Uh, with unique regional variations originating more as a cryptid species rather than a singular character. So Krampus. Um, like I saw a Krampus. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, a species of creatures rather than just this one, one character. Guy. Folklore also claims. Um, <laughs> he's, he's franchised. He's franchised. <laughs> Monetized. <laughs> Folklore also claims Krampus as the son of the Norse goddess of the underworld, Hel, who rules over the realms of the dead. And okay. What, yeah, so son of her. That's lovely. Um, what role does this beefed up Black Philip play in Christmas tradition? To scare? kidnap, feast on, drag naughty and misbehaving children down to the underworld, of course. Mm. So a lump of coal really isn't looking that bad anymore, is Mm -hmm, it? mm -hmm. So Krampus would assist St. Nicholas. This unlikely duo would uh, come to represent good and evil. They would visit uh, children during the night of December 5th, which is the eve of St. Nicholas Day feast. St. Nicholas rewards well-behaved children with gifts such as oranges, dried fruit, walnuts and chocolate, while badly behaved children only receive punishment from Krampus with birch rods, if they're lucky. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, you know, some families back then, like, you know, they'd make, like, an elaborate hoax of, well, Timmy down the street's gone, Krampus took him, and, like, the family's <laughs> just moved away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just couldn't take it, and um, they took Timmy away to uh, to hell because he um, didn't put his shoes away. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. it. It does feel a bit like that at some points. Yeah. 
So the Krampus would enter towns lashing his chains and bells to scare the children into behaving well for parents during the long, scarce months of winter. Mm. He'd capture the worst children and put them in his basket and take them down to the underworld, bringing retribution and just punishment for the bad behavior. If he does, but did he get bread and milk? <laughs> <laughs> he went out for cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> Damn it, Krampus. If Krampus does bring gifts to people, and I say that in quotes, it will either be a coal, a lump of coal, or gold-painted birch rods, which parents are meant to leave around the house as a reminder to the children to behave all year long. Okay. Mm, so behave or you get the, get the, the rod. Ro- the golden birch rod. Yeah, yeah. So... Modern traditions connecting Krampus with St. Nicholas, and I say modern in quotes as well, it's just for the time, mm. uh, seem to have varied and connect uh, conflicting origins throughout time. So there is evidence that links Krampus to uh, Satan in the Jesuit theatre, um, and the cryptid can often be uh, seen appearing in St. Nicholas plays. So it is possible that like Satan, Krampus was uh, made into a character to create the yin to St. Nick's yang. Right. Warning the um, opposite of divinity. Yeah. So that's kind of where they're crossing over that we can find. And, you know, we love that, you know, people in medieval times, they loved balance. Yes, yes. We've got to make sure that everyone understands you be good because this is what happens when you're bad. Right. Yeah, very that. So detailed descriptions only emerged in the 19th century when records were kept of the still famous annual tradition of Krampusnaut uh, or Krampus Night. Ah. Yeah, so that's like all the videos that are coming up on Instagram and stuff. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So in the Alpine region still to this day, December 5th marks the celebratory parade Krampuslauf or the Krampus Run, seeing adults enjoying many a drink, dressing head to toe in terrifyingly accurate costumes of Krampus, walking down the streets of the city, scaring children, and even chasing after the unluckiest of bystanders with switches or pitchforks. Mm -hmm. Uh, In some regions, Krampuses are seen stalking the streets from November to Christmas Day. Oh. So, yeah, they're they're having a heck of a binge drink. (laughs) Yeah, and at the same time keeping their kids in line yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely they are so these rowdy traditions weren't always as simple as a great excuse to get drunk those kids know how to make a great martini yeah (laughs) you know those kids do they're making mead all year long (laughs) um as the traditions for this uh have origins with a simpler figure called uh the perkte or perkte it's German is not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's spelt P E R C H T, or so approached. Ah. Uh, a, mich- a mischievous uh, alpine spirit. It has two uh, two legged ho- humanoid goat with a giraffe like neck wearing animal furs. And like there's photos, um, photos, uh, drawings of them with like um, kind of like plague doctor mask. Uh, faces bird like so I think very um very druid of the forest kind of creatures originally the Perkenschlauf 
is a, a folk custom was already established in pagan traditions in the Alpine regions that became intertwined with Catholicism. So not unlike the Krampuslauf, adults would dress up as the Perkta uh, creatures and march in procession through the towns meant to drive out the devils of winter. So um, for what I can find is like there's two different types of uh, perkton. So one kind is described as good and beautiful. They're bright. They come out during the 12 days of Christmas to the Epiphany. So that's um, the the last. uh, So from December 25th to 6th of January. Mm hmm. And they provide well wishes and blessings, attracting good luck to the town. Like the Hildeburg in ah, Iceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's like... Like they can be good, they can be bad. Mm-hmm, exactly right. So you've got the counterpart, which is the ugly Perkster, uh, whose job was to drive out the bad spirits and demons and ghosts going house to house to drive these spirits away. So like banging instruments and, you know... Trying to scare them off. Okay, are, are, are these in the parade too? Yeah, I. Be, it seems like that there's just people dressed up as these spirits all around town. Okay. Going to houses, making sure everyone's covered, I guess. Cool. Good blessings, getting out the bad ones, everything like that. And having a drink. And having a drink, of course. Why wouldn't you? The traditional costumes are both impressive and terrifying. Mm-hmm. The masks are often called larven from the Latin word lava or larva. So L A R V A, mm-hmm. not lava, like like lava, like a like insect a, like, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which means both mask and ghost. Considered a great honor and rite of passage to don the Krampus costume, the traditional masks are outrageous and exaggerated with gaping mouths with hideous features accented by multiple pairs of animal horns. Even the woodcarvers who craft the masks are considered very well respected. Mm-hmm. The hand-carved mask can weigh up to 30 kilos what? depending on the size. So that's a photo of like traditional costume. Oh, yes. And I'll put this up on the Instagram for everyone. So the suits are uh, were hand-woven from corn leaves and then painstakingly sewn together to make a broad, rustling suit that performers needed to be strapped into. These well, alone... I, I, I thought that they just repurposed a Chewbacca costume. Then. Yeah, it looked a bit like that. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> bit of that energy. Crazy. The the mask are insane. Like it looks like some sort of medieval, like painting character from Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah, very that. So these costumes, uh, costumes can weigh up to twenty five kilos. With like once it's all sewn together, right? It's all that fur you can see strapped on top of the suits and headwear were metal drums and heavy bells that would make just a wild racket. <laughs> love it um the costumes all up could weigh up to 100 kilos oh my Lord. Uh, and to be worn and carried while dancing and drumming throughout the village street so i think they had to be drunk just to like get through that yeah <laughs> <laughs> to be get through so the photo you just saw um this complete costume includes a goat leather 
bodysuit, gloves with uh, stimulated, stimulated, simulated long nails mm-hmm. made of leather, a leather and bronze belt with a bronze cowbell and birch uh, stick switch for whipping children and other audience members. Wow. It's just insane, like fully covered. Um, lucky it's probably cold. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. So once the sun sets, fires are lit throughout the centre of the town and the noise of bells, horns and ground-shaking stamps of the Perkchen and Krampus devils are heard. <laughs> it sounds wild. I want to go. I yeah, think it's that awesome. sounds cool. I'm terrified of them, but like, yeah, yeah. it'll be fun. <laughs> I bet so, there's some really delicious snacks too. Oh my god, the food! Oh, delicious. <laughs> It'd be worth the scariness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just for say, the like <laughs> apple turnover you get at the end. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> 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 it was worth it. <laughs> as far back as the fifth century, with the rise of Roman Catholicism sweeping Europe, the Perkshan Lauf were looked at uh, with suspicion by the Catholic Church, of course, and banned by some civil authorities. Mm-hmm. But due to the sparse population and rugged environments within the Alpine region, the ban was not effective. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> hiding behind trees, you can't stop me. You can't stop it. Exactly. It basically rendered the band useless. Yeah. Like, there was no point of doing that. Except for when I get tired because it's so, so heavy, y'all. There's a lot of stuff. I have to put it down, though. Just give me a moment. So the church did eventually get what they want, though, when the community celebrating Perkton Lauf uh, were inspired by the St. Nicholas plays and introduced St. Nicholas and his set of good morals into into their own traditions, creating a new narrative between the the representation of good with St. Nick and the forces of evil inspired by the ancient Perkton now being created into the character we know as Krampus. So this is not like a direct line. This is happening while other traditions are happening at the same time. This is just where Krampus came from mm-hmm. as a character. Mm-hmm. So all these parallel traditions with the same kind of ideas are all happening at the same time and have their own history. Right. Yes. So as the world moved into the industrial age, whether due to the church's dislike of such pagan rituals or just modern men moving forward into the bright new world, Krampus uh, traditions were less focused on by everyone, but I'm sure that the rituals were kept alive in the smaller numbers of the Austrian and German towns. Mm Krampus did make a comeback. He came back for a comeback tour. Cool. (laughs) At the end of the 1800s, but not as a terrifying figure as before, but more as a relegated to comical Christmas cards in the consumerism boom. Okay. So, kind of a fun fact, Austria's postal system became the first to deliver postcards in the 1860s in the form of small red cards to humorous depictions of Krampus punishing children with warm season greetings on it and becoming incredibly popular and nostalgic for um, a nostalgic reminder for Austrians and Germans who had moved away from the rural areas in into more industrialized cities. Yep. 
Some cards even took a sexy twist where, <laughs> where Krampus is accompanied by semi-naked women. Wow. Classic. <laughs> so classic. And the cards are really cool. Yeah. Like, I want some. <laughs> I thought they were great. Um, <clears throat> Krampus rum- goes to the cabaret. Yeah. <laughs> Burles Krampus. Um, Rumours circulated at the time as well um, that being hit with Krampus's switch brings fertility. I think this is just because the cards were bringing in weird, sexy angles and the adults were like, we like it, we want to keep it. So this is why, like, okay. for no reason is Krampus bringing fertility. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, no, he would be because he's stealing all the children. They need to make more children. And they're drunk. What? <laughs> Lines are blurring. I'm not loving it. Um, in another wild twist, even the Nazi party tried their hand at squashing these traditions in the 20th century, okay. condemning these cards and celebrations because of the connections to the pagan roots. Right. Yeah. Classic. Mm-hmm. Classic Nazi. So, in conclusion, despite the numerous attempts at erasing these celebrations, Krampus has made a huge, like, another comeback. I feel like, yeah, yeah. Krampus has definitely had a a comeback, like, I think since the last Krampus movie. Definitely. I feel like in the last, like, at least 10 years, more and more is, I've been seeing more and more, Mm. and more people are going to go witness these events. Yeah. So whether due to a rise in dark tourism and neo-paganism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or a perfect excuse to let off steam and get back at the pesky kids, Krampus runs a bigger, better and more uh, attracting more people than ever. Wow. Yeah, the costumes have become larger than life and the tradition itself is a little bit more about the spectacle probably more than the roots of everything. Yeah. But I have no doubt that the towns and villages where this twisted fairy tale character originated are happy and welcoming to see the modern world and people embracing their heritage. For those brave enough, uh, why not explore the tourism options while planning your next Euro trip? I th- I definitely want to do it. I want to go. That I want to see fun. it. Yeah. And that's the history of Krampus. That's cool. Thank you so much. So season's greetings and Merry Krampus, everyone. Merry Krampus Nacht. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I love it. I want to make a Krampus tree next year, I think. I want, like, big green tree with, like, red lights and have, like, the red lights in his eyes and stuff. Because why does that always have to be about, you know... Aren't we over Santa? Joy and Santa. Yeah. Steals my stuff. (laughs) I'm not interested in that guy. Krampus is, like, where it's at. Heavy metal dude that's, like, behave or else. Um, I love it. I love it. So that's... Yeah. I feel very festive. I definitely see how that's got connections to, like, dark tourism. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool. The videos are insane. And it's not like, you know, 20 local dads getting into these costumes. It's, you know, 50 to 100 different people. Preparing, like, all year for it. Like Burning Man. Yeah, exactly. And there's, like, um, watching one of the parades while I was doing this, there seemed to be, like, uh, the roots of the the Procton characters at the start then goes into Krampus, mm. like different versions, different types of folklore. Like it, it just, it's amazing. Mm. It's so cool. Mm. So I love that that's still alive and still so popular. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I actually didn't know anything about Krampus. Yeah. The, I, I was, kind of knew what it looked like, but. 
didn't really. Yeah, I, I think that. like probably the movie helped. I I knew of Krampus, so I was like, oh yeah, whatever, like that's cool. But um, actually looking up the history, I was like, wow, that I didn't expect to talk about the Nazi party today. No, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I was like, oh, putting your nose where you don't belong. God damn it. But, um, yeah, it was really fun. So um, I hope that you were very entertained today. We're very cool very different stories and I really liked it. Yeah, so that was fun. hopefully you out there um having a nice having a nice drink or having a nice mince pie if you will. Yeah. And um enjoy the rest of the holidays and the uh the end of year. Yep. End of year. Have, have a happy new year. So next year is a new year. New start. New it's like start. it's on like a Sunday or something, so we get like the ultimate Sunday reset. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna gather my dust burn it all up and yeah yeah <laughs> do you want to give us that that number yes again? yes let's do it's that Mr. Plow. <laughs> yeah. okay so as we spoke about at the start 1800 respect has a new text line so if you need any support this uh this season you can text 0458 737 732 or you can call 1-800-737-732 you'll be put in contact with trained professionals that can help you out this season and um yes okay i i I hope i hope no one has to call it but it is Mm -hmm. there just in case and um know that you're not alone yes we're here for you absolutely true and absolutely um, true yeah oh my gosh i can't believe this is the end of the year what a I year. Yeah. I think, I think we were saying before, like, we're, we're ready for this one to be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to see this off. But, guys, follow us on uh, Instagram. That's where we, we are usually, uh, at my think uh, <laughs> At I Think My Fridge Is Haunted. Yes, on and everything. And if you want to email us, it's hauntedfridges at gmail.com. Yeah, tell us if anything weird happens this season. Who knows? Yeah. Let yeah. us know. Also, go onto YouTube and go watch our live show. Watch our live it's show available. on YouTube. Yes, that was fun now. too. We tell um, four short paranormal and historical weird historical stories yeah that was fun it was fun in the awesome old cult store it's um you can actually see us you can see me wheezing (laughs) a lot (laughs) a lot of wheeze it was really fun so um yeah go watch that Fine time and we'll be back uh with a regular season what around february i reckon yeah i reckon so i'll um got some reading to do got some resting to do we've got reading and resting to do um Um, and um maybe when we get back we'll look at um we'll talk about that love is one documentary oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yes love is one and also the um the twin flames oh my god yeah let's talk about that next season let's talk about that next season (laughs) 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 well until then Gemma, be creepy but don't be a creep Bye! Bye!